Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the debut of the Ride Magnificent Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Walker, and the topics that we're going to be discussing today is some NBA playoffs. We're going to be discussing some of this Cavs Celtics series, break down what happened in game four. We're also going to preview what's going to happen in game four between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. We're going to figure out if James Harden is going to keep his legacy alive or possibly tarnish his legacy. We'll discuss that. And also the reason why Mike D'Antoni needs to stop being so stubborn. Because if he continues to be stubborn, they're going to lose this series. And I'm going to tell you why. We're also going to be talking about some media stuff and also stuff that you don't care about. So now that you're here, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That was an amazing play. Uh, that was uh, the bread and butter that we just uh, was listening to. Kevin Love with the football pass to wide receiver LeBron James as the Cleveland Cavaliers see themselves tying the series at two apiece, going back to Boston with an even series. Now, hopefully this next game in Boston is going to be a lot more competitive than the rest of these finals. Well, conference finals, so to speak. But uh, we're just going to talk about the game uh, from last night. Some of the things that I noticed. Um, I felt like the Celtics were playing nervous. Even though they came back, it just seems like whenever they cut the lead to seven, they were waiting for something spectacular to happen. And whether it be a uncontested layup by George Hill, who had a, the George Hill was looking like Scottie Pippen last night. He was doing it all. Uh, Tristan Thompson has resurrected himself from the dead um, after being shut down at the beginning of the playoffs. Now he's been a huge factor in shutting down Al Horford, which uh, I felt like has been a big key to the Celtics success throughout these playoffs is uh, taking Al Horford out of the game. And that's what they're doing. They're leaving it up to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, to rely on contested jump shots, which is starting to look similar to the Toronto Raptors series um, where they just limited DeMar DeRozan to outside jump shots. When he did drive, he was rushing it a little bit because he was pressing. He couldn't get his self going offensively. And then on top of that, you had Kyle Lowry, who was mostly a perimeter player. Every now and then he'll go to the basket too, but you just didn't have that. And uh, what I would like to see more of from Boston in the next game is a little bit more intensity on defense. I think defensively, they kind of went away from what they were doing in games one and two. And a lot of that has to do with the Boston Celtics being a very, very bad road team. They're just, they're just bad. They're just bad on the road. I don't know where they get this from. They were actually a decent road team 
in the regular season. So I don't know what's going on with the Celtics and why they can't get it together on the road. But they're going to have to do better if they're going to win this series. Now, many people, many Boston Celtics fans would basically say, oh, well, all they, we have home court advantage. So all we have to do is win all the home games and we'll be okay. But let's not be fooled. This is LeBron James we're talking about. We're not talking about a Milwaukee Bucks team. We're not talking about um, the Philadelphia 76ers. We're talking about a LeBron James, future Hall of Famer-led Cavaliers team. And no matter who's on that squad, as long as LeBron James is on that squad, I am not counting out the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I am on record for those of you that are now tuning in and those of you who don't really conversate with me. I'm a barber part-time, so I talk a lot about sports at the shop. And I originally picked the Boston Celtics to win this series in seven games. And the reason why is because I feel like the, the Celtics, if they could win all their home games and just keep it under control, they'll be able to win this series. That's all they have to do is protect home floor. Now, that's easier said than done, but it can be, it's possible. It can happen. And so looking forward, uh, I think the Boston Celtics, as we're going to recap the next game, I think the Boston Celtics are going to come out with a lot of fire, a lot of intensity. That crowd in Boston is electric. No matter what happens, you can't count out the Boston Celtics at home. They've come from behind, just like the well, the Cleveland Cavaliers have gotten to this habit at home where they get big leads, and then the next thing you know, the home the road team comes back. They did that against Indiana. They kind of, sort of did that against Toronto, but it's Toronto, so no one cares. And here we see it again in Game Four, where Boston was just kind of chipping away at the lead, but they just could never get it going. And um, it's basically not working. But in, on the flip side, Boston gets off to slow starts at home. But then they just go into this huge streak of hitting shot after shot after shot. And they start to get it together defensively. And so after a while, uh, you're, you're starting to crumble under the pressure. And you see teams doing that when they go to Boston. They get a little nervous. And uh, you saw that in games one and two with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They just did not look engaged. Also, the role players step up better at home. And you see that with both teams. The Cavaliers have a mixture of young players and older players who've been there before. Now, we still haven't heard anything from Jordan Clarkson in this series. Larry Nance Jr. made an uh, appearance here and there. He's had a couple of big plays last night. Uh, Rodney Hood is basically just shut down, fell out of um, connection with his coach, Tyron Lu. So you basically have a Cleveland Cavaliers team that has to rely on their experience to get back past these series of Tristan Thompson, of J.R. Smith, of Kyle Korver, so they can get to the finals. Whereas you have the Celtics, who only have Al Horford, who has the most playoff experience out of all the players, and then you have a combination of young players who this is basically new to them. Even though they're playing magnificent, they are 
putting up stellar numbers. The things that Jason Tatum does on the court is unbelievable. He's going to be a monster. I'm telling you, years from now, we're going to be talking about Jason Tatum as one of the top five players in the league. I, I just see it coming. He, he I, I see a big, huge upside for this kid. So I think going into this next game, those guys, along with Terry Rozier, have to wake up and just attack the Cavaliers at home and not give the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, any type of hope of thinking that, okay, we, we, we got control of this series. Because if you make the Cavaliers feel like they have control, they're going to dominate you, especially when it's LeBron James. They're going to dominate you. So that's my take on this um, game four that we were able to watch. I know a lot of people aren't happy with the way these Western Conference Finals are going. None of the games have been close and or competitive. So hopefully tonight we get a more competitive series between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Which leads into our next topic. Only 17 points, 6 of 14 from the field. Livingston with a crossover. Puts it down. Come on, man. We'll be here in the fourth. What a move by George Livingston. Only 17 points, 6 of 14. Wow. So, as you heard, and if you watch game three of the Western Conference Finals. That was Sean Livingston putting the crossover moves on James Harden. I mean, basically, James Harden just sat there. He just froze him up, and he blew right past him. So, again, Golden State, Steph Curry, basically dodges all the questions about him being hurt. Since the beginning of this series started, when no one said anything about him being hurt in the Pelican series, as he looked amazing in the Pelican series, um, and now all of a sudden when they're losing, he, he's hurt. There's something wrong with his knees. And I kept telling people, there's nothing wrong with the man's knees. He's a shooter. Shooters are going to get cold, and then shooters are going to get hot. But you keep shooting. That's what you tell shooters all the time. Keep shooting. So... That's what happened. And honestly, I felt like Steph Curry is having an underrated series. He did have a bad series. He had not series, but he had a bad game two. But in game one, even though he didn't connect on three, he was getting layups. He was going to the basket. He was making plays. He was cutting. He was doing a lot of the things very effectively. And then in game three, he was getting open, a lot of the shots that he was missing were wide open shots because he was still cutting and moving and trying to get open. And they were attacking him on offense, Houston was. But eventually with layups and free throws, that helped shooters like Steph Curry to get into that rhythm. And once Steph hit those first two buckets in the third quarter, he started feeling it. And Houston made a big mistake by allowing him to do what Steph Curry does best. And that is cooking him up in the kitchen, Mr. Chef. So Chef Curry showed up and they won by 40. 
And I said this after the blowout in game two. I said, last year, the Cavaliers had to score over 140-something points to beat the Warriors in that one game that they beat them in the finals. In game, what was that, three against the Pelicans, the Pelicans had to score over 100-something points to beat the Warriors in that game. Here we have them scoring 120-something points, 120-plus points. And here they go. I'm telling people the same thing. If you have to play a perfect game for four games to beat the Warriors, you can't lag off on defense and you can't sag off on offense. Because if you sag off, then basically your swag's off. And... The problem here that I have with Houston is some of the red flags that I've seen with James Harden over the years. When games get out of control, James Harden clocks out. And this goes to this will basically start my next segment in regards to the reasons why I think that this is a critical series, a critical series for James Harden to win, because if he doesn't win this series, it's going to put another stain on his legacy. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. Number one, 2012 NBA playoffs, his performance. I will rev off the numbers to you. 12 points per game, four rebounds and three assists. This was way lower than his averages that he had in the first three rounds combined in 2012 to get to those finals. So he basically play MIA in the NBA in the NBA finals in 2012. Now, granted, he was young. He was a six man coming off the bench, so we can give him a little bit of pass for that. But he blamed his teammates when they lost to the Thunder in 2013 after being traded to the Houston Rockets from the Thunder. He had a great season got to the playoffs, and basically pointed at his teammates as to the reason why they couldn't beat the Thunder and not himself. The first round exit in 2014. Now, people forget about this series. Most people, What most people remember about this series is the game winner that Dame Lillard scored in game six to get Portland back into out of the first round and winning their first playoff series since Clyde Drexler's been with the Warriors. I mean, not with the Warriors, but with the Blazers. And I'm not going to point to that game because James Harden actually performed well. He had 36 points in that game. Now, he still didn't do enough to win because, unfortunately, Houston couldn't get the uh, ball of the last, what, .1 second remaining that Dame Lillard shot that three. But I'm going to go back to games one and two of that series. Game one, James Harden missed a clutch basket to force over, to, to win the game in regulation. Then he missed two clutch baskets in overtime that would have won the game for Houston. And then in game two of that series, and I also want to remind you all, Houston had home court advantage here. So they were in Houston these first two games. And Dwight Howard balled out in game two. And what happened to James Harden? He disappeared. He was MIA. He was mission in action. 
what happened they go down in that series two games to zip everybody knows that series for the big be the beginning be most people know the be beginning of that series for lamarcus aldridge going off in those first two games but it was really james harden coming up short in those first two games of that playoff series and who knows if houston win those two games those first two home games against portland hey we might be talking about houston maybe getting further in the playoffs that year but unfortunately they did and then you know 2015 they went up against a great warriors team in, in 2015 where the warriors won their first title 2016 it was it they he was non non-existent in one of the uh, three it was a three one comeback or i think that was 2016 or 17 one of those years where they played the clippers and the clippers were up three games to one and i think the, actually i think that was the 2015 season that was when uh the clippers uh were up three games to one and they end up losing that series to the yeah, that's right. That was 2015 season because a lot of people accused Golden State of not playing tough competition leading up to that. And Houston ended up beating the Clippers four games to three. But in game six, the Clippers were up. They were on the verge of winning that series. And with James Harden on the bench, the Clippers came back thanks to a bunch of threes that um, Josh Smith, shots out to Josh Smith, by the way, hitting all those threes, getting them back into the game. So, he really didn't show up in that. And then we have 2017, which he was notoriously known for basically only scoring 10 points against a Kawhi leonard list Spurs team that beat them by, I don't know, 100. <laughs> so James Harden, how many, how many passes are we going to continue to give him? Because he's had good weapons around him. This is literally... His best team he has ever had since being with the Thunder in OKC. Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, well, they're going up against Golden State. and Golden State has four superstars, which is true. But this team all season long has been slated, has been dubbed, <clears throat> excuse me, has been dubbed the team to beat the Golden State Warriors. So I don't want to hear when they lose, oh, they didn't have enough. If they had enough to finish in first place, if they had enough to breeze through the first two rounds, if they had enough to blow out the Golden State Warriors in game two, they have the ability to win this series. And I am not going to give James Harden or Chris Paul a pass if they lose this series. It's going to be a huge stain on James Harden's legacy. Now, Chris Paul's legacy, we don't know yet. He might go on a team where he can just ride the bench and win a championship. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Paul. And I've also watched a few video. I watched a video in particular. is a guy that I follow on YouTube. His name is Dom2K. Check out his video that he put out on um, YouTube based off Chris Paul and how him choking in the playoffs was an overrated notion. So check that out. But and when I watched that, it really changed my perspective of how I viewed Chris Paul. So 
not saying that it's not his fault why he still didn't win a ring. Most of it had to, you know, some of it had to do with him, but most of it didn't. It had to do with the parts around him. But he's on the best team he's ever been on. So now the pressure's on him as well. So both of them have to step it up because I saw them basically just look defeated after the third quarter, and it was pretty much a wrap. Which goes to my next topic, Mike D'Antoni. Why do you need to stop being so stubborn? Well, Reggie Miller pointed out something in game three in the fourth quarter. During garbage time, and I forgot this guy was on your team, but Joe Johnson is sitting deep on that bench. Now, Joe Johnson just came from single-handedly winning a series against the Clippers in the first round of last year's first round matchup between the Utah Jazz and the L.A. Clippers. He hit a couple of game winners, a couple of big shots, and he ended up advancing, playing the Warriors. Now, they still lost to the Warriors, but he actually played well in that series, too. But why is Joe Johnson not being inserted into the lineup? We saw the adjustment that Steve Kerr made by putting in Jordan Bell, which helped him out tremendously defensively. And especially now with Andre Iguodala not going to be playing tonight, which is going to be a huge um, key tonight uh, that we're going to be keeping our eyes on because Andre Iguodala is a big part of what Golden State does. And without him, we're going to see how that fares against Houston. But can we get Joe Johnson in the building? I think that's a perfect opportunity to do it, especially with an extra defender being hurt by the Golden State Warriors. And now they're down one defender. So I would get as much offense as I can on the floor. And I know that Ryan Anderson is a limitation on defense, but James Harden is too. So they need firepower. You need firepower to keep up with the Golden State Warriors. I think Ryan Anderson... And Joe Johnson needs to get more playing time, at least in the second quarter or uh, early in the fourth quarter, to stay on track with the Golden State Warriors before they go into that explosive 30 to nothing run that they always do and that they're always known for. So, Mike D'Antoni, I hope you're hearing this. You probably haven't heard this because this is my first podcast and no one cares right now. Eventually, someone will care. But you need to care enough to put Joe Johnson in the game. He's a pretty decent defender. He's been a solid defender his whole career. So you're not giving up nothing defensively. So just do it, Mike. Don't don't have this mentality of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It is broke. You guys lost by 40. Make an adjustment. That will conclude my segment of the NBA conference playoffs. And... Um, We're going to move on to our next topic. We're going to just briefly touch on some media things and stuff that you don't care about. And then my final segment is going to be coming up. And I got a surprise for you guys. So stay tuned. Thank you.
Asian-American unemployment has reached another all-time in history record low. In history. Because you probably saw, I doubled my African-American poll numbers. We went from 11 to 22 in one week. Thank you, Kanye. Thank you. Pause. 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 So, if you guys missed it over the weekend, we're going to talk about media and stuff that you don't care about. I don't care about Trump at all. I'm going to just put this out there on the record. I don't care about Trump or I don't even care about Kanye West. And I don't care about Amber Rose. But Amber Rose said something interesting over the weekend. While she was watching that very segment that I just played for you. Of what Trump said about Kanye West raising his poll of African-American whatever people that like him. She says, and I quote, when I first seen Trump on the podium and just kind of like running for president, I was like, oh, my God, that is Kanye in a white man's body. Now. Let me make a correction, because before I read this, it corrected me on the spot. She didn't say this while that segment was playing. She said this before Trump was elected in as president. Now, are we calling her a prophet? No, no, not by any means, not by any means. Because the reason why she's not called a prophet is because she didn't profess to say this back when Trump was running for president. So I'm not going to give you credit, Amber, for making that statement, but it's accurate. It's accurate. So, hey, after what happened on TMZ, you have a lot of people defending him. You have a lot of people that are, uh, you have the whole entire black community outraged with them. My stand on the whole thing that he said, I'm going to continue to remain neutral. And I'm also going to say that it's not and I, this is what this is my take on what happened with Kanye is it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And you can, you know, it's just like your parents, right? Your parents ask you to do chores. You're going to kindly do your chores if your parents ask you nicely to wash the dishes. But if they ask you angrily. Oh, it's going to bring all the anger out of you and you're going to do it out of spite just to get it over with. It's the same thing with Kanye West. Kanye West says a lot of things he should not be saying, but it's the way he says it. He doesn't say it eloquently as if it was coming from a more powerful speaker. Like a, maybe I would say Jesse Williams, who you know made his speech a few years ago. Um, on the BET Awards. You know, someone that's a little bit more eloquent. And not saying that somebody more eloquent speaking, it, it, we're going to respect what they say, uh, no matter how they say it. But Kanye, 
is how he says it in the way that he says it is just you know it, it it wasn't good timing it wasn't a good um what can i say you know platform tmz is the ultimate stage of making yourself look like a buffoon we've seen it happen with ray rice we've seen it happen with solange We've seen it happen so many times. Those are just a couple of examples. Now, one of those examples, it ruined their career for life. Another example, it almost put a damper on her career, but she rebounded well with a great album a couple of years ago. So TMZ is a platform that it can make or break you. And you have to be careful when those TMZ cameras are in front of you because it's going to be blown up, whatever you say. So Kanye... Be careful with some of the things that you say. It's, it's really offensive. It offended me. You know, I, I'm offended myself. But at the same time, I understand why he said it. But it shouldn't have been said on that platform. And then in that way, that was wrong. To more news that we don't care about. And that is the Billboard Music Awards. However, I have a lot of witnesses Witness friends, I'm a Jehovah Witness, so um, for those who don't know, Janet Jackson was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. During her speech at the Billboard Music Awards, and me and my wife were sitting there watching it, and she mentioned two words during her speech that caught my attention. She said, public discourse. Now, the only people that says public discourse that would know where public discourse came from is Jehovah's Witnesses. We know a public discourse for those who are not familiar with what a public discourse is and what it represents as Jehovah's Witnesses is every Saturday or Sunday we have a public talk or a public discourse where a brother is selected to give a 30 minute discourse based off Bible principles and seeing how we can apply them in our life. Then we have a watchtower study where it's audience participation. So she mentioned that public discourse and she was giving all the honor to God. All the honor to God. And talking about how great God is. But I recall an interview that she had with Oprah in which she criticized Jehovah's Witnesses and not criticize Jehovah's Witnesses, but criticize growing up as a Jehovah's Witness as being too strict on her. And so she never took it to heart and she went on and did what she did. So I, I kind of found that interesting. That was, the, you know, I didn't really, my wife was watching it. I wasn't really paying attention. I was watching Golden State in Houston while the Billboard Music Awards was on the other TV I was watching on my iPad. But, you know, and I took a peek at her performance. She she put on a decent performance. You could tell she kind of lip synced a lot of the things that she was singing. But um, and I, I thought she was going to do it. I thought they were going to kind of do more of a dedication, like other artists singing her songs to her. Then she comes out and sing. It was kind of, you know, it wasn't rep. I, I, I don't think Janet was represented that well at the billboards. I thought they could have did a better job with that. Um, the choreography was too over the top. And a lot of that has to do is because Janet, you know, Janet has always been over the top of her choreography. But in this case, it was kind of a little bit too much. And I just felt like it, it was 
it, it was not that good. Um, then other stuff that we don't care about. Nicki Minaj's performance at the SNL uh, on Saturday Night Live. I took a peek at one of the performances for uh, Chun-Li, the song that she did. And people were talking about, was it cultural for her to do uh, the whole Chun-Li dress up and everything? I, I say, you know what, guys, let's not make this a big deal. Let's not make Nicki Minaj a big deal. She's a great at what she does. She's a great artist. Let her use her creative flows on a big stage such as Saturday Night Live and let her do her thing. Why do we have to come to, why, why do we have to live in a world where we have to question every little performance that someone does on SNL or, or, or anything, any other platform, we have to critique everything and unfairly critique and make it a racial thing. And it's like, just celebrate the fact that she's only thing she's doing is impersonating one of my favorite video games, one of my favorite characters in Chun Li, and I mean that's I, I just respect the chick that's in this that's in the Street Fighter. Period. Sega Genesis. I could sit down and say, "Yo, if I see Nicki Minaj in person, I'm gonna say, "Yo, Nicki, what's up? I got a Sega Genesis right here. You wanna get down on some Street Fighter?" She going to say, okay, sure, whatever, let's do it. Boom, we plan. She using Chun-Li, I'm using Ken and Ryu, and I'm whooping her up. That's, I respect that. I respect that. Boss move, Chun-Li. Boss move, Nicki Minaj, for doing that, putting on a good show on Saturday Night Live. I didn't care enough to watch Saturday Night Live. I just heard about it and watched it later. That's why I'm saying these are topics I don't care about, but I'm going to still talk about them because you might care about because I'm in it. For, I'm, I'm here for the fans. So that pretty much wraps up the I don't care segment of my show. And to conclude, I have a surprise for you. A couple of gems I'm going to drop. You heard it here first. And hey, I'm just saying. Be back. Listening to the sounds of leisure. Let that ride out a little bit. This is my pick of the week, my music selection of the week. And uh, that's Leisure. The name of the song is called Money. And this dude is fantastic. This is a uh, fantastic artist. This is uh, from his, basically a newly released um, single. He's also had a album uh, self-titled called Leisure. So check him out whenever you get a chance. He's got some really, really good music. So... Check them out. You'll love it. And that's my music selection of the day. That's the surprise that I have for you. You know I always got to give you the grooves. And on top of that, this will be our concluding segment. And so 
we're going to start off our first segment of our conclusion with you heard it here first. And yes, you heard it here first. Here are my predictions as this is going to be a once a week podcast type thing that I'm going to do. So um, some of my predictions are not going to happen. Some of my predictions will happen, but we'll find out next week. We'll kind of cover whether they went, they came true or if they didn't. But at least if they did, you heard it here first. So you heard it here first. The Golden State Warriors will end this series in five games. I repeat, the Golden State Warriors are going to end this series in five games. You heard it here first. Also, you heard it here first. The Celtics will win game five. Not only will they win game five, but this series is going to go seven. And the Boston Celtics will get to the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving or Jason Hayward. You heard it here first. Also, our next segment and our final segment will be called, hey, I'm just saying. So I'm going to wrap it up with this, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to go back to what I started with, with James Harden. If James Harden does not win this series, it's going to put a huge stain on his legacy, especially if he wins the MVP. Also, this could hinder him from winning his first MVP if he does another disappearing act in this series. So far, he's on the verge of disappearing. He had a 40-point performance in Game 1. He had a nice, modest performance in Game 2, and he was non-existent in Game 3. So let's see what happens in Game 4. If he keeps this up, this disappearing act that he's so famous for doing, we might see that MVP trophy disappear out of his hands and into the hands of LeBron James. So again, James Harden, you better step it up or your tarnish or your legacy is not going to be necessarily tarnished because you've got plenty of time left. But... Hey, if you don't get it together, man, you're going to end up out of this series and your legacy in question. Hey, I'm just saying. It was nice talking to all of you guys. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. Please follow me on Snapchat. Walk dot. I mean, walk dash rod. On uh, Snapchat, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm actually going to promote my podcast on Instagram as well. And also, um, you also see me featured on other uh, channels as well. Uh, Stayos or Stayos, I'm sorry, Chris Chris Wynn, if I got your uh, episode, your your podcast channel misspelled, please forgive me. I do want to be on an episode eventually. But... Um, uh, you also, if you don't see me on any of his episodes, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Chris, I'm, here I come. Also, uh, check out my boy Ann Ray's channel with uh, Jerome Fulson and a few others. 
Um, I will be talking about top. Uh, they they talk about topics as far as hip hop. Um, it's called vibes and stuff. So check out my boy in as well. I make some appearances here and there on that channel as well. So uh, we'll definitely be keeping in touch and and seeing what's happening and and getting the latest on some good conversations, good topics, good discussions. And again, I appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to my very first podcast, Snap Fam. I appreciate your support. Insta Fam, appreciate your support as well. With that said, this is Rod the Magnificent signing off. And again, even though nobody cares, I care about you. Peace out, y'all.